Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Today, Cheryl Lightshoe joins the show. Cheryl is a mentor, guide, and influencer. Many of her clients describe her as the Yoda for small women-owned small businesses and solopreneurs. Cheryl has had the pleasure of owning a successful, sustainable small business for over 25 years. She has stumbled, regrouped, learned, succeeded, and failed, but remained committed to being an entrepreneur. Cheryl has also coached other women-owned small businesses to enjoy the opportunities of being an entrepreneur. Her mission is to help women-owned small businesses to start, build, and grow their own successful enterprise. Cheryl's newest book, Straight Talk for Smart Business Women: Critical Tools to Build and Grow Your Business, focuses on practical wisdom and tools to support women-owned small businesses build the same successful and sustainable business that Cheryl has had for over 25 years. Welcome to Integrate and Ignite. Oh, thanks, Lori. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to be here, too. <laughs> that's good. That's well, good. I, I, that's why we do this, right? You've got your own podcast as well. I do. We love to chit-chat. <laughs> we do. We do. <laughs> so what was, you talk about a lot of critical junctures that you've helped women-owned businesses work through. Talk to us about the juncture in which you knew that you needed to write the book that we're going to spend much of our time discussing today. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I have, I've actually been doing corporate consulting work for most of those 25 years of uh, being in business. And over the years, probably the last five years, I've had women-owned small businesses coming to me saying, Cheryl, it looks like you're doing something right. So help because, you know, you've got a great lifestyle. You seem to be in business after 25 years. So you must be doing something. So I began to take on some of those women and just mentor them kind of on the side. And as I began to realize that I had a lot more to share than I recognized, because I have been in business for so long, um, I began to put more formalized process around that. I've run some mastermind groups, and then I began, I began a podcast about two and a half years ago called Straight Talk for Smart Business Women. And after about two years, I looked and I said, you know what, I have all the research for a book here, because there's so much richness in their stories about what those, where they've stumbled, the lessons they've learned, that it, it just, the book came together <laughs> like a, a shoe that fit because the lessons were so clear. Well, and, and believe you me, we're, we're going to learn about some of these lessons today, and I'm sure many of us are going to relate to each and every one as well. So let's break the book up into parts, and let's perhaps, if you, sh if you could um, outline five key elements that you'd like our listeners to take away today. We'll list those elements and then we'll go through and talk about each one. Okay. Uh, well, the, the book itself has a model called the CALM model, C-A-L-M. And each of those areas represents one section of research. So the C is for clarity. The A is for aim. The L is for leverage. And the M is for measurement. And those are the four areas in that CALM model that, uh, that become the foundation of, I believe, every entrepreneurial small business. But, I love it. Yeah. Now, we're going to talk through that model. First of all, I'm going to ask you just a couple fundamental questions surrounding women and, and business. And 
what is the big difference uh, between a female-led business and a male-led business? Yeah, you know, I love that question. I, I get it quite often. And I think there's just a difference in how women approach their business. Uh, it's much like how they approach their family. It's not like I go and do this on the side. It really is a part of their skin when they take on a business. Now, I'm not saying it's not that way for men. So right. don't interpret any of that. Uh, but I think it's harder for women to compartmentalize what needs to get done and prioritize because they think of, they think globally. So, and it probably even some of your corporate people can relate to the fact that, you know, when I'm at work, I'm not just thinking about work. I'm thinking about my family. I'm thinking about what's going to be for dinner. I'm thinking about the laundry that's piling up. All of those things come into play. And women tend to struggle more with just compartmentalizing and saying, I'm going to focus and get done this piece. And then I'll move on to the next piece. I had a man the other day say to me, yep, it's sort of uh, somebody comes in and they're upset with you. As a man, we get upset and then we turn and go to our iPhone and we're done, right? <laughs> we right. go use our smartphone. And he said, I think for women that's different. I think they carry the emotions differently and they relate to the world in a little different way. You know, I um, have had some tough decisions to make around the business uh, recently and, and a lot of self-reflection uh, regarding our team. And one of the things that I realized about myself is I lead too much with my heart mm -hmm. and not enough with my head. And I think in most situations, men lead a little bit more with their head and less with their heart. And I have really gone to great lengths to st strengthen the combination of the two mm -hmm. um, so, that, so that people know exactly what the performance is and what the expectation is regarding the outcome we must achieve. Mm -hmm. And that there isn't a lot of wiggle room there. This is, you know, the fundamental performance of the business. And I can't continue to let people get buys because something's come up or, you know, it's, it's, we've yeah. got to, we've got to lead in, in a stronger way. Talk to me about that. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, that's true with those women owned small business too. They, they can tend to get distracted just because they care. And so, you know, I know that my business is about X but, oh, somebody wants Y. Oh, and this person really needs Z. And, oh, you know, they really can't afford me. So, so we tend to let the emotions, rather than saying it's a business formula. You know, right. one of my points in the book is money, making money is not an option. <laughs> making money is not an option. You need to be profitable yeah. if you can have a business. That's the bottom line. But sometimes as women, again, we don't lead in that clear message and so we're, we're willing to give things away we're willing to discount our prices we're willing to not think about what we're really worth and charge what we're really worth because of that emotional factor yeah it's a very real thing i think if you yeah. were to interview uh women business leaders uh, you know business owners across the nation and ask that one question the lion's share of them would believe that they are um, undervaluing their service yeah i agree okay so let's talk through the calm model and start with c clarity mm -hmm. Okay. Well, C is about really being clear about what your business is and who it is that you're trying to serve. Now, that sounds very simple, but, but as in, just as in my example a minute ago, I think as women, we tend to say, well, here's what my business is, but you know, I don't want to leave anybody behind. So maybe I'll add this piece or yeah, you know, I could also do that thing. And, and what happens is you really begin to dilute your business. You would cause more stress for yourself. 
your clients don't have a clue who it is that they're that what you're trying to do and who it is that you're trying to reach and so your business just never takes off and I know so many women I work with they start out and they're like well I can serve everybody well you probably can but you're never going to build a business that way right so that clarity piece is so important. In my own example, in my own business, my corporate work was is with professional service firms, accountants, lawyers, engineers, architects. And, and uh, women will say to me, well, you're so successful across all four, how can you say I need to, to cl be clear and focus on that ideal client? And I tell them, I didn't start with all four. I started with CPA firms. And I got right. really good at that and I and people knew me and I had a reputation and then it then the next niche merged out from that the next client but it was a related client so it just over time began to expand in these other areas but I started at one pond to fish in because I knew where to fish I knew where to find them and I could catch the fish right right um, exactly it's that, it's owning that vertical and then going to the next especially when you don't have a large team in place and you cannot cast a wider net, you know, with different, uh, different approaches within different verticals that you could be going after at the same yes. time. Yes, yes. And I'm, I've intentionally chosen to be to stay a solopreneur. I, I did have a team at one point, but I just love being face to face with the client and running everything about my business. So I, when you choose that, you really then have to, again, I love what you're saying, even choose that narrow focus so that you're not driving yourself crazy and people actually find you then. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay, the next one is A, AIM. AIM is all about sales. And it, this again, I think tends to be a tough area for women about asking for the sale, asking for the money. And so you have to take very clear AIM as to once you under, understand who your ideal client is, what it is that you're, try, that you're trying to sell, you need to be very intentional and very focused on how you handle those sales conversations and how you lead into those sales conversations. And I think for a lot of women, uh, we think of the old models of selling. And again, I've been around for a, a long time. So the models of selling I had were pretty the aggressive used car salesman's approach to selling. And I knew that wasn't for me, but I, I had to try that on because that's what the model was back in the time. And being able to find that, that groove for yourself, that you can approach people, educate them, ask for the sale, give them the information they need, be okay with hearing no, and then being able to move on to the next, the next uh, opportunity is so important if you're going to have a business. Now, I think a lot of women underestimate the power of what they're doing and what they're selling oh, yes. and the service that, that they're providing, which obviously impacts the sales side of their business. Talk to us about insight that you've gleaned over the years regarding that. Yeah, and I think it's, it might be because the same, what I was just talking about is that the sales process felt, I'm going to use the word male, and please, any males listening, I'm not, I'm not trying to stereotype type at all. But the old male model, the old Xerox sales model mm. was very male dominated. And in, in today's world, there needs to be, there are different sales approaches that fit who you are. You know, I, early on in my business, I hired a marketing team to come in because it, I thought everybody needs me. Why is the business just not running in the door? Um, and they went and interviewed my clients and prospects and, you know, did all that good market research. And they came back and they said, mm, I don't know what, quite what to tell you. <laughs> I thought, uh. oh, I spent all this money. You don't know what to tell me. I said, well, tell me what, they, what you heard. And basically what they were telling me, what I heard from the messages is, 
It's my timing. And so, I, Cheryl, I just need you to be there on the radar screen. I need to know that you care about what you're doing and that you'll continue to keep educating me about what you're doing. And when the timing's right, I'll hire you. It took a whole different approach for me being, I'm much more, let, let me educate you, let me help see how I can serve you, kind of that servant leadership style. And when I could, when I could grow, get into that groove, selling was a piece of cake. Because I was okay with, you know, it's not their timing. When their timing's ready, they'll be ready. But it's not their timing. Well, exactly. And then and the flip side of that is <clears throat> making sure that people fully understand what you do so that you establish the need and they have that aha moment of, you know, this is the, you know, the, the Lorism of, of trying to, you know, everyone needs marketing on some level, right? Yes, right. It's whether or not they want to invest in it and right. whether or not they can at a given um, point in time. And, and with some of the smaller startups that we've had over the years that aren't funded, we've simply said the best thing for you to do at this point in time is to squirrel away the money for the next 12 months or 18 months and then go after it with a bigger push um, yep. and, and rely on sales in the interim and perhaps a, a few sales aids. But I think a lot of it has to do with believing so much that you can impact a business and how you can impact it uh, in a very, very positive way that you ultimately do get them to believe in you, even though mm -hmm. if it, it isn't today, it might be tomorrow or next year. Yeah. And I think that's hard for any business to realize it's a patience factor up front. Mm -hmm. If you keep planting the seeds and you're clear about what you offer and who it is that you're selling to, the P, it will, over time it will come, but that patience factor is hard. It is. Yeah. And again, we're talking about the CALM model. The first is clarity. Second is aim. And now we're going to move into leverage, L. Mm -hmm. And leverage is about delegating. Another area that I think women have a particularly hard time doing, and, so, and men too, because I've worked in the corporate world, so I know. You know, we all secretly believe that we can do it better, faster, and more effectively than anybody else. And that's probably true, but you're not going to be able to build a small business or a solopreneur business without having other people supporting you. You know, if I, Lori, if I were to take on all my marketing efforts, I, I love your suggestion. You maybe can't spend it up front, but over time, as you, as you begin to reach that tipping point and having money coming in the door, it's time to let go of some of that stuff because you just can't do it all and be able to stay sane or really grow the business the way you want to grow it. That's right. Now, have you, in your consulting role, have you worked with someone, uh, you obviously don't need to share names with us today, but maybe share an example of, of working with a business where delegating became the element that was not allowing that person to succeed? Oh, my goodness. It ha particularly with the small businesses I'm working with now, it's, it's just about everyone I work with. Hmm. And, and I think, too, as women, we're good at multitasking. Well, we think we're good at multitasking. That's right. Uh -huh. And as soon as you clear out that, clear out the space. So I'm working with somebody right now where they're probably spending five hours a week doing $10 an hour job. Uh -huh. and, and I said to them, if you took that five hours a week and you did that, that aim, right? You did the sales and you just spent five hours a week thinking about who do I need to tell about my business and making those connections, I guarantee you, you will bring in money to pay for this $10 an hour person that you're going to hire. And so we were able to actually, she ended up using a virtual assistant that I use, but we were able to take that component and within probably three weeks, she had already paid for that person and, and more, obviously, because her services were worth a lot more than that. Um, That's fantastic. 
So it's the fear that sometimes gets in the way or that the mindset that am I going to afford this? You made a really good point about you can't do it all at once. Financially, you can't do it all at once when you're bootstrapping. But you have to begin to peel that away. What can you afford to do? And begin to, to put money aside to do that, to do those kinds of things. So whether it's a virtual assistant, whether it's marketing support, I firmly believe that marketing support is, is the, the next one right after virtual assistant. Right. Yeah, I would agree with you too, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and you probably would agree with me as a businesswoman. Absolutely. You know, your own business, not just because you do that marketing component, yeah. but, but because that is just the layers that begin to, to begin to, to help you grow, to help you grow. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Okay. M is for measurement. Mm -hmm. You have to make money. <laughs> there's one, there's one chapter I have that I think I say my, making money is not an option. I probably say that five times in that chapter. And, and the re, it's, it's one of the things that you need to have in place. You don't want to spend a lot of time on it. There are simple things that you can put in place or you could delegate it, right? But you have to be able to monitor if you're profitable or not. And this is where it even advises you as to are you charging the fees that you need to charge? Are you really taking into account the amount of time you're putting into that particular project or product or customer, uh, because we tend to undervalue that, as we pointed out earlier. So measurement is something most, most businesses, most women-owned businesses do not enjoy doing, but it's a simple tool that you have to put in place to know if you're profitable, if your IT is working, you know, what results are you getting on your marketing as your dollars being spent in the right direction. That's part of being in that C-suite of being able to strategically manage your business. I would agree. And, and I think uh, it's worth noting here that having a good partner on the team that leads with those KPIs mm -hmm. is a good litmus test. We talk a lot in our business about the difference between, you know, a true integrated marketing firm, which we are, and a, and a graphic designer, mm -hmm. or someone's just doing, you know, um, bits and pieces on the side. They don't have a true understanding of ultimately what KPIs are, how you maintain, uh, you know, content continuity, what the messages are based on persona that might be out there. And everything is so helter-skelter that they just don't have that business understanding to truly be able to provide a strong business solution that does garner the results that one should always be receiving when they are investing in marketing. That is so true. And there's so much noise out there right now has been for a while on the internet, you know, just do this, you can do webinars, you can do this, you can do this for marketing, you, you know, write a great sales page. There's so much noise trying to pull, pull these women-owned small businesses into their training, okay, and it's probably good stuff, but they're not strategically looking at the big picture the way a good partner would. Right. Because now, maybe webinars are not the, the, the venue or maybe, you know, uh, the sales page should not look the way, it, uh, the way in a template format because of the client that you're working towards. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Now, in the book, um, you really, you lead with a lot of wonderful stories from women, uh, lesson learned, lessons learned rather on, on what they have worked through on a day-to-day -day basis and ultimately put them into successful 
positions. And certainly this helps us all validate our personal experiences, right? And, and yeah. makes us feel so much better about what we're doing day to day. Can you share with us a story or two on women in our position who have really made this work and, and um, by utilizing your book and the systems within it and are just uh, sky high today? <laughs> oh my goodness. I can probably think of four of them. Let me, let me quickly. Um... Eeny, meeny, decimini. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking of one. So I'm just going to tell her story. She she, uh, she's actually a financial planner. And, and so we think of entrepreneurs as, you know, somebody sitting in their home office, but she's actually with a pretty large financial planning firm. But it is a, just like a realtor or any insurance agent. It is a small business. You have to build your own business. You have to build your own clientele. And even though she's got the supports of the larger company behind her, she was lacking some of these, uh, some of the calm model, particularly the sales component and the delegating component. So she was spending hours and hours, and I think a lot of us do this because it's, we feel like we're busy, but we're really not generating anything. Hours and hours on LinkedIn. That was going to be her, her, her model of gold, right? She was going to find gold in LinkedIn. And again, I think LinkedIn is a great tool. But, but she came to me one day and she said, did you know you can't do everything on the internet? <laughs> I said, really? Tell me about that. And she goes, I've been spending all this time on LinkedIn and we've been talking about that. And I was saying, okay, it's a good tool, but you can't, you can't say this, this is all the sales and marketing you're going to do is for LinkedIn. You need to get face to face with people. You need to, whether it's a Zoom meeting or whether it's a phone meeting, but you need to have a voice to voice relationship meeting. And over, over about two and a half months' time, she literally doubled the business she had been bringing in from the previous year because we made a list of 125 people. And I said, You need to physically have a voice to voice or face to face conversation with these 125 people. Now, she didn't do all 125. It's one of my tricks that I make that I make women's own small businesses do. I tell them you have to have 125 people. And until you get to those 125 and you've told every one of them about your business, I don't want to hear that your business is not growing. Right. But I know that it's going to, the tipping point is going to happen before that. Uh, but it keeps them from worrying about the, re, the, the result not coming fast enough. But it also creates the result to happen faster, which is well, what had happened for her. That's exactly right. And the moral of the story is there, you know, is that businesses don't sell themselves. You've got to have that, that person who's really driving and increasing mindset so that the top of mind awareness begins uh -huh. and then the business closings begin. Right. No doubt about it. And then there's all the other, you know, the marketing um, uh, support that follows behind, follows alongside, supports from, from the back, keeps that person's integrity and, and expertise out front. But it's the face-to-face -face that really begins to ignite. Uh, That's right. You've, you've defined an integrated marketing strategy, which uh, includes sales. <laughs> very, very strong. So, so thank you very much for that, Cheryl. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, Lori. I didn't even know I was doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so Cheryl's book, again, is Straight Talk for Smart Business Women, Critical Tools to Build and Grow Your Business. You've got five stars left and right on Amazon. Very, very popular book. You are a well of wisdom, Cheryl. Thank you so much for appearing on the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Thank you, Lori. It's been a delight. This episode is complete, but the inspiration has just begun. Head over to avocetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. 
Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.